May the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, the one who is the Lamb, and the one who is the greatest. Amen. So I can only imagine being John in this passage, right? Here he is minding his own crazy business with his wild hair and camel suit out in the middle of nowhere when these uppity people from the city come. And they have questions. And not just kind of like easy questions, they have like some serious questions. Because they're pretty sure that something is up with this crazy guy in the wilderness. And that what he is doing is wrong. Which is about what we do anytime we see crazy people in the wilderness, right? Anytime it doesn't fit within our box, we assume that they must be wrong or they must have gone off the deep end somehow and be on the fringes. So these people come out and they start asking him, who are you? Now part of this is they're trying to to trip him up. If you remember, they will come asking Jesus similar questions closer to the crucifixion. And finally, try and catch him in a technicality over this same type of inquisition. But they come to John the Baptist and they say, John, tell us, are you Elijah? And for us, we're thinking, well, that's a really, really weird question. Why would they ask that? Well, these questions are important questions because they point to some really deep theological things. Elijah is one of two people in the Old Testament, right, that aren't, that don't die. He's taken up to heaven. There are great children's songs about this passage, right? So Elijah is taken up to heaven. He is assumed into heaven. And so maybe he can come back. And we're trying to tuss out how this works theologically in our mind work. Because Jewish people even then don't really believe that, that you can be reincarnated, but Man, that influence from the east is there. And so maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe he's reincarnated. But John says, nope, I'm not Elijah. And then they remember this passage of Moses. Moses, the other person in the Old Testament who does not die but is assumed into heaven. And they say, so maybe you are Moses. And Moses said that there would be a prophet that would come, one who would tell us the things. And this is important. Why? Because Moses sets us free. Moses reminds us who we are. Elijah heals. Moses sets us free. So maybe you're Moses. Maybe you came to set us free. Because we're really looking for someone who can overturn this occupation, right? Someone who can get rid of these Roman guys and give us back our land. And let us be the people God called us to be. So maybe you're maybe you're Moses. Nope, not Moses. Well, then you must be the Messiah, right? You must be the one. If you're not any of those people, then clearly you're this other guy. And he says, no, not me. In fact, I know that's not me. There's another person coming who will fulfill that role, but it is not me. And they're going, well, what the? He's really as loony as he sounds. No wonder he eats bugs. Certainly, he's gotten some botulism from the honey or something. He's crazy. But then he quotes scripture. And he quotes a weird part of scripture. But what he says when he quotes the scripture is the one question they didn't ask him. They asked, are you the liberator? No. Are you the Messiah? 
No. Are you the healer? No. John the Baptizer says, I am the proclaimer. I am the one in the wilderness announcing Christ's coming. I am the one in the wilderness calling towards the Messiah. But I am not he, and I will not heal, and I will not set free. Because those tasks all belong to Jesus. And he says this in such a beautiful and poetic way, right? Then he sees Jesus coming down the road, and he says, This is the Lamb of God. This is important. This is powerful stuff because when John the baptizer proclaims Jesus Lamb of God, he wraps up Elijah's healing, Moses' freedom, David's remaining kingdom all into one big, perfect, symbolic package for the Jewish people. He says, this is it. You may remember that lambs were the first piece of freedom for Moses' people. They had to take the lamb, slaughter the lamb, and mark their doorways so that they would be passed over, so that they could receive new life as they exited. The lambs also used as scapegoat, scape sheep, as the case may be, right? We would sacrifice the lamb so that our sins could be taken away as part of Elijah's story. David was a shepherd, a keeper of the sheep, and was called the shepherd king for many generations. This guy, this guy, fills all the roles. He's the one you need to look after. In many ways, we come to this text with those same questions, right? Who are these people? Or who are we as God's people? Are we the ones who are set out to heal? Because if so, we're doing a pretty bad job of it. Right? Are we the ones who are set out to produce this new government system, the Messiah, to bring back the line of David's rule? Because if so, we're doing a real bad job of that. Are we the ones that are meant to set people free? To liberate those who are captive to sin and doubt and pain and suffering and systems. Because we're doing a bad job of that too. But I think John the baptizer's answer rings true for us. No. That's not what we're called to be. That's not who we're called to be as God's people. Yes, We occasionally do those things. And I have no doubt that John's baptisms occasionally did all of those things. That sometimes passing through the mikvot, that was the Hebrew word for baptismal font, right? Sometimes passing through this mikvot that uh, John the baptizer's people were healed because what their wounds really needed was a good wash, Sometimes passing through that mikvot healed those spiritual wounds and set people free because sometimes what they needed was a good reminder that they were loved. And baptism does that. Sometimes passing through that water gave people the power they needed to stand up to systems of injustice in their community and set people free. 
or called them to leadership roles within their government that allowed them to change just a little. Certainly. Certainly that happened. Because it happens today when we come to worship. Sometimes you come to worship and you are healed. Sometimes you come to worship and you receive what you need. Sometimes you are set free from sin, doubt, whatever is binding you. But it's not because we did it. It's not because our community of faith did it or because I am the next great televangelist preacher. It happens because the Lamb of God promises to be present. It happens because we know that Christ comes to be with us. That's what we just spent all day Friday and Saturday celebrating, right? That God comes to dwell among us. A lamb in a manger. To be kept perfect for the sacrifice. Set apart for the sake of those in need. John says he's a proclaimer. And not the ones that would walk 500 miles and then walk 500 more. That was a joke, guys. You're allowed to smile. But... Rather, maybe you don't know that song. Maybe that's generational gap. And I would walk 500 miles and I would... No? Okay. That song is by a group called The Proclaimers. Now you better... Jokes aren't funny if you have to explain them. Anyhow, John the Baptist says he's a proclaimer and that he's there to call out that which is needed, to make the path, to make the way for people to meet Jesus. That's what the church does. We don't do the healing. We don't make the new rules. We don't set people free. We make a way. We build roads and bridges We make gaps meet in the middle. We make paths that are generally crooked and convoluted such that people can get through them. We make journeys easier. It's not our job as a church to do those other things. That's Jesus' job. And we worship Jesus for doing that. And we give thanks for Jesus for offering that. And we taste and feel and experience that in communion. We are claimed and called and part of that in baptism, but it's not our job. Our job is just to keep pointing, just to keep showing, just to keep proclaiming that Jesus is coming, that God is with us. And I think our struggle with this comes that we lose it. We walk out those doors, we forget that we are supposed to be looking for a God with us. And so then we miss these teeny tiny glimpses of, of freedom and of healing and of hope and of justice. And so then when people say, well, how do I know God is in this place? We're like, well, uh, it's tricky. Or, uh, uh, maybe you should go ask a pastor. Or, uh, hmm. You know, I don't really know. 
I just know, which is a terrible argument for a person who is in a moment of crisis or tragedy who really wants a tangible sign that Christ is with them. John the baptizer was really good at making sure that he could point out where Jesus was because he knew that was his job. And as my children's Bible lovely says, he talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. Our call as the church, as people of God, is not to be Jesus. We will never be Jesus. Our call is exactly what we remembered on Christmas, right? Our call is to be these people. Our call is to be John the Baptizer, to be the one who bears, protects, proclaims, celebrates, worships Christ in the world. And while at first being Jesus and offering healing and salvation and all of those things seems like a good plan for a church, it is totally unsustainable. I promise you, if you keep looking, if you keep praying, if you keep your eyes open and your hearts ready, you will see God amongst you. You will see God in your everyday world and you will experience it and you will be able to tell the story. You probably already have. You've probably already had one of those moments where you've been set free, where you've seen healing or been healed, where you have experienced justice or helped to make a path so others can have justice. Those are your God stories. Those are your Christmas stories. Those are your stories of Emmanuel, God with us. And those are the stories that make you like John the baptizer the one who proclaims Christ in a world that feels like broken, sad wilderness. A world that keeps asking, where is the one that will heal us? Where is the one who will set us free? Where is the one who will bring justice? Because we need it desperately. And you, my friends, you have the answer. Will you be crazy enough to tell the story? Amen.